day. It's a day that you have made. We'll rejoice and be exceedingly glad in you. And Father, this morning we lift up the name of Jesus over every heart, every life, every situation. Father, over this region that you've given us to reach, teach, and release. Father, may your words be done this morning, be said this morning. Your deeds be done. Your glory be made manifest. Father, help us get this job done. And Father, hearts will be touched. Lives will be changed. Destinies will be overturned. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. And uh, welcome to the Sunday morning edition of Family Church, one of 10 locations meeting throughout New York, Pennsylvania, Europe, and soon the whole wide world. When we just get this job done, Jesus can come. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we welcome each and every one of you. We're so glad to have you here. Uh, visiting friends, returning guests, uh, all those watching via live stream, but most importantly, our church family here, the faithful, the true. And so great rewards will, will come to you in that day. So we welcome and greet each and every one of you. Hey, before we uh, continue on, we're going to go ahead and dismiss our kids if they haven't gone already uh, to their program downstairs. Isn't the church looking wonderful and festive? Yeah. So thank you, thank you again for all those that came out uh, yesterday to uh, put out Christmas decorations, not only inside, but outside. And so praise the Lord. And so it's, it's looking great. And so you're looking great. What a winning combination. And so, hey, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs 18. Last week, we started a short series um, what is a short series? Well, it starts off as one message and just kind of a, runs on. <laughs> and so a short series with me is about two or three uh, services. And so looking at this short sermon, it'll go about three services. And so um, we took for a text, Proverbs 18, and we started looking at a short series that I've entitled, The Power of Words. The Power of Words. And uh, we, we look at our text, and it tells us the power of words. Proverbs 18, 21, where it says this. I'm reading out of the King James Bible. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And so we see here the power of words. It tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue, as we uh, drew attention to uh, last week. It doesn't mean your physical tongue anymore when the Bible says uh, concerning the heart of a man. He's not talking about the physical heart, but the spiritual heart. And so here it's not talking about our physical tongue, but the words of our mouth, the words that we speak. And notice the power that death and life, I mean, those are two polar opposites. We, we could say it this way in the book of James says it, blessing and cursing come through the power of your words. And so words are important, words are powerful. And uh, notice this, and we do your attention to it, notice it didn't say death and life are in the power of God or in the will of God. And so notice uh, a lot of times what we try to do is trying to get God to work in our situations. Lord, we need life here. Or we need this disease to die here. Oh God, oh God, help, help. 
wave our arms, but here it says that we have been given the tools through the words of our mouth to wield either death or life. And so, and I, I like uh, what it says here, and they that love it shall eat the fruits thereof. And we drew your attention to love. It, and it's very interesting here. It's talking about just like if when a person eats food, they're hungry, it, they, they eat food to meet a need, and the more they eat, the more they're satisfied to being completely full. And here it's saying the same thing with our words. If there is a need in your life, uh, the more you speak life, the more you speak supply, the more you speak health, the more you speak along the line of that need that is in your life, the and I love the word here, it says, and they that love it. Other translations say, they that indulge in it. Indulge in it. Have you ever indulged in something? How about chocolate? How about, you know, you know, just a little piece of chocolate will do me, and all of a sudden, they're another and another. And Where'd that pie go? It just disappeared. Yeah. And so, uh, indulging means you, you really overdo it indulging and in some of us may have done that for thanksgiving overindulged and if you didn't do it for thanksgiving christmas is coming you can redeem yourself overindulge i mean i mean you go overboard and saying if you learn to go overboard with your words just say it say it say it say it say it say it Say it. Speak life. Speak health. Speak strength. You overindulge in it over and over. Or we could say it this way. The more you say it, the more you'll see it. And so I love the, the wording here. They that love it, or other translations, they that indulge in it shall eat the fruit thereof. And so death and life are in the power of tongue. And so uh, we'll just do a quick review if there is such a thing as quick reviews, we'll do the reviews in God's time. But uh, we saw some things that Jesus said concerning the power of words in Matthew 12, 33. Again, just we got newer folks with us. And it helps all of us to be put in remembrance of these things. Matthew 12, 33 through 37, Jesus said this, either make the tree good and it's fruit good or make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt for a tree is known by his fruit O generation of vipers how can ye being evil speak good things for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks so he's talking about words he's talking about here he's talking about trees and all through the bible people men women rep, are rep, represented by trees and here it's talking about the fruit what 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 trees, what people produce, and it's talking about the words of their mouth. Verse 35, a good man, uh, the good treasure of the heart, bringeth forth good things. An evil man, uh, the evil, evil treasure of the heart, bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For thy words, for by thy words thou art justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. And those, those statements, each verse is powerful and, and worthy of meditation. Uh, but these are the words of Jesus. Jesus says what he means and means what he says. There is no time that God or Jesus ever said, you know what, 
I really didn't mean that. I just, I just needed a filler in the Bible, and I just thought that would be good at the time, but I, I really didn't mean it. But we know this, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words won't pass away. So Jesus says what he means and means what he says. And so a lot of uh, good things, and it's talking about words, that what we speak produces fruit in our life. When we speak good things, positive things, right things, it produces good, right, and positive things in our life. But if we speak evil things, negative things, uh, things contrary to the Word of God, it will produce bad fruit. So again, death and life. If we want good fruit, what do we got to do? We got to speak good things. If we want bad things or if we want death, we speak bad things. And so again, Jesus is saying it comes through what you say with your mouth and so that's why we want to indulge in good things you know uh, you know if you want more fruit you know i have fruit trees up in my property and some yield more fruit than others but a- a- every farmer wants a bumper crop wants lots you know lots of pears lots of apples uh, farmers want lots of grapes cherries uh, lots of corn you know no one wants a light or a spare a very light uh, a sparingly crop or a, a very you know uh, I don't know what I want to call it uh, sparse crop yeah that's a good word sparse crop you know everyone wants wants a a, a full crop or a full tree well here it, it, Jesus is saying this is how you make your tree full you know the Lord is my shepherd I shall not wonk and one of the phrases he my cup overfloweth we all want our cup to overflow. We, we all want abundance. We all want health. We want all strength. And here Jesus is saying, when you say it, the, the more you say it, the more the fruit shows up in your life. So really, our life is a product of what we've been saying. Now, uh, very interesting in verse 36, but I say unto you, and again, that's like an oath, like as long as I'm Jesus, as long as I'm God, this is true. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in a day of judgment. You know what an idle word is? An idle word is a non-working word. You know, when, when someone is supposed to do a job for you, no, I better not use that illustration. But you've all seen this. Like uh, there's a job and there's like a crew, a crew of 10 people around this job and nine of them are just kind of watching them and one person is doing the work. All right, we, we've all seen that. One is working, the nine are idle. <laughs> you know, they're not doing anything. And so Jesus is saying every idle, every non-working word that comes out of your mouth that in the day of judgment, you'll give an account. Now, we, we know this at the Bema seat, where we stand before the Lord, uh, we're going to give an account of our works, what we did or didn't do. We see it uh, exemplified in the parable of talents. Um, he that had five talents, what did he do? He did something with his talents and made five more, and Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant. The one that had two talents took those two talents and did something with it, made them work and gained two more talents. And Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant. But there was that one talented man 
that didn't do anything with this town. Just kind of hit it and said, you know, I, I didn't do anything with the talent you gave me here. You can have it back. Well, he didn't get a very good report with the Lord. And the same thing with our gifts and talents. We're going to stand before the Lord. What we do for the Lord. And, and we understand that. But according to this verse, not only will we be judged by our works, but we will be judged by our words. How we used our words. How, how, how we developed fruit. Did we use our words for blessing or cursing? Or are, are we like that one talented man that uh, we just live through life and let life deal with us, everything that comes along, and we never used our words to channel life. We never used our words to channel death. Now, what will we, we channel death? Well, if uh, a sickness, disease, you, you want to curse that. Something that is vile, it's something you, you want to curse, you know, infections and, and so forth. How do we do that? by our words. But Jesus is telling us, here, even our words. Jesus doesn't want any of our words to be idle. He wants our words being put to work. And that's why Proverbs says, they that indulge in it. I mean, he keeps saying it. Keep saying it. You know, even when I started the series, I said, you know what? My, my tongue got lazy. My words got lazy. You know, now don't get me wrong, it's, you know, now you, you probably would not believe this, but I lost 20 pounds. And of course, next to Reverend Scott here, he lost 100, and folks don't even notice that. <laughs> all right. I'm in his shadow all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well... Believe it or not, there, there is no pill you can take. The, it takes discipline to lose weight. That means, you know, you used to indulge, and, and now you just eat just underneath your calorie intake to lose weight. You, you eat lay, way less, just enough to, to maintain and lose weight. And so, you, you just eat just enough to get by. And I realize you know, of course, I, you know, I lost weight, and of course, that works, but I was doing that with my words. My confessions were just enough to get by, just enough to get by, just, just enough to maintain it. So, I, I, I was guilty of not indulging with my words, using my words. You know, in the morning, I'll say my confessions, and you know my confessions. I live long, healthy, and strong, and not sick a day in my life. You know, I, I have some more if you'd like to hear them. I grow richer and richer, wiser and wiser. <laughs> yeah. Then there's some things about my ministry, and you know, about framing my world that I want to preach this gospel. Until the day I go home. I, I want to preach on a Sunday morning and then have, have uh, lunch with my family, you know. Then I always, after lunch, I do the spiritual thing that I take a nap. <laughs> then when I take a nap, that's where I go home. And so, you know, and, and you know, I was just kind of, you know, once in a while saying it, saying, you know, I grow richer and richer, wiser and wiser about situations that I need turned around in my life and my family's life. You know, and I was just kind of maintaining, yeah, I'm saying it. But listen to this, death and life, indulging. And bless God, I get up and I start saying, I live long, healthy, and strong. My body's strong all the day of my life. My heart is strong. My blood pressure is normal. My digestive system works. My, my ears, my eyes, my legs, every part, my immune system works. And I started indulging in it. 
Yeah. The man puts a jolt in you. Woo! Between that and a coffee, you're ready to go for the day. Yeah. Words. Words. The Amplified Bible says, I tell you in the day of judgment, when we'll have the account for every idle, inoperative, non-working word. That means if you didn't use your words to create health, strength, you didn't use your words to help people. Jesus said, well, we'll, we'll talk about that when you come up here. That's why the Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed on mouth. Nothing. Nothing that is idle, nothing that doesn't add to people, add to situations, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may, what, minister grace. Even when it comes to others, you minister grace. That's the substance of God when you use your words correctly. So, death and life, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And again, this is just review. In about 30 minutes, I'll get to my message. But again, something James said. James, we looked at this, and it bears repeating. James 3, 2 through 4. For in many things we offend in all. We don't want a show of hands that says, yep, I'm doing the word. I've offended in many things. But if any offend not in word or what he says, he is a perfect or mature man, able to bridle, guide, direct the whole body. And he tells us through an example here. First of all, verse 3, Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth, and they do obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Now, I haven't ridden a horse in, in over 30, 40, oh, for over 40 years, and I don't think they have an app for this yet. But you still, in order to, to get a horse to go where you want them to go, you put bit and bridle, and you got to move the bridle and bit. Where, you know, if you want them to go right, you pull, pull that bit and bridle right, and he goes right. If you want them to go left, you pull left. You want them to stop, you pull back. And so what it's saying, just like when you get your horse, you can guide your horse. You can direct your horse through bit and bridle so you can do your words out of your mouth. You can, you can bridle your whole body. You know, how, how do you bridle your body? By the words of your mouth. By the words of your mouth. Um, you know, and so you ought to be telling your body, be healthy. I call you strong. I call you living long. Sickness cannot touch me. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from sin and death. That the, the same spirit that raises Jesus from the, that raised Jesus from dead dwells in me, quickens my body. You know, and so, and you know, even if a horse doesn't want to move, you know, right, and it's just sitting there, left, doesn't get there. You know what happens next is you get, you get the motivator out. You get that whip out. It's going to want to go. Have your flesh just been, oh, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to pray. I don't want to be nice to that person. He's ugly and he'd hurt me. Yeah. Well, he, he said, no, I, uh, the love of God dominates me. The love of God. And I have strength. I'm going to pray. I seek God. I love God. You know, the Bible says, stir up the gift on, it, on the inside of you. How do you stir it up? Through your words. And just like a horse, you can make a horse go wherever you want. Through bit and bridle. And if that don't work, you just get after him until he obeys that bit and bridle. Same thing you can do with your body. 
And so, you know what a lot of people do? Is they pray and ask God to do something with their body. When God says, death and life. You, know, you use your words to bridle your body. And then uh, verse 4, I like this one. Behold also the ships, which they be so great, meaning so big, and are driven of fierce winds. That's so talking about a big ship on a stormy sea. And uh, the, it's windy and, and the uh, conditions are not favorable. Yet they are turned about with a very small helm or a, a rudder, wheresoever the governor listeth. And so whoever, whoever is uh, steering the ship, you know, he turns it, uh, the rudder moves. And so what it's saying, no matter what kind of storm the ship is going on, uh, it doesn't need to be tossed to and fro. The waves and wind do not toss it. If you keep your hand on the steering wheel and you make that rudder, you turn that rudder, that ship will go into the, the, the direction, into the port you desire. The wind and the waves do not dictate to where that ship goes. How? Through the rudder. And so what is James saying? Your mouth, your words are the rudder of your life. We all face the storms of life. Tests and trials. I've been to hell and back so many times I've lost count. How'd you get through this thing right here? This thing right here. See, a lot of times we want, we want God, God, the storm, the storm, the storm, the storm, the storm. And we, 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 want, we want God to do, do something where He says, use your words. You know, a, a ship can go wherever it wants if you put the, point the rudder the right way. And God is saying it doesn't matter what the storm is doing. The winds are blowing. I've given you the power of words. You can get to your destination. You can get to your desired haven if you hold fast to your confession. Hold fast to it and say, you know, this shall pass. This shall pass. But if you give up and do, oh, no, and you give up, then the winds and the wave will drive that ship into the rocks or wherever or to a wrong port. You know, um, I always like to use the Titanic because it's a, a wonderful truth. And uh, if you saw the movie, I, I, I feel sad for you, but anyway, <laughs> I think I did, did you, know, you know, it's a chick flick, and so there was no aliens or gangsters or robbers, so I, I had no in, very little interest in it. And so, um, but we, we understand the concept going going at a good speed because they wanted to, to make super time. And uh, instead of watching and being alert, uh, the, you know, the, they were approaching an iceberg. And once they realized, oh, an iceberg! And what they tried to do, they tried to turn it. But they didn't turn it soon enough. And a lot of people do that in tests and trials. A lot of people are busy, alive, careless. They're, they're very uh, light with the words, light with their faith, light with their confession. Smith Wigglesworth said this, when you try to get faith, when it's time to get faith, you're too late. You're like the Titan. That's why so many Christians hit sickness. 
hit financial lack. They, they ought to be saying things and, and creating spiritual laws and momentum that has directed them away from the iceberg. A lot of times they're, oh my God, you know, you know, when COVID hit, they, they waited until they had symptoms. No, by your stripes, I'm healed. Well, you already hit that iceberg. And so you can learn, you learn to use your words. So I'm using my words. I live long, healthy, and strong. Not sick. I, I'm, I'm paving my future. I, I want to be so far away from that iceberg that you can't even see it. Yeah. I, I made mention that uh, I, I just thought about it. 35 years, I, I've never, you know, never could not preach because of sickness or disease. Well, you must have a strong body. I, I have a flaky body just like yours. I can't tell you how many icebergs have come my way. But holding fast the confession of faith and just saying, I live long, healthy, and strong. My body's strong. And don't get me wrong. When I see an iceberg coming, bless God, I start indulging it. I stuff myself in it. I, I stuff myself and say words until the devil gets tired of hearing me and says, hey, I got to go somewhere else. I can't stand this anymore. Amen. Your words. Your words. Yeah. Now, I, I want to get to my message. All right. Let's just go ahead and get to the message. Mark 11. Mark 11. That's probably where all your pages are stuck together and we never refer to the scripture. <laughs> While you're turning, I'll re remind you something Kenneth Hagin said. Kenneth Hagin went to go pray for a 39-year-old man that was in the hospital dying in a coma. And the doctor said there's no reason for the, him to die. They don't understand why he's dying. And uh, Brother Hagin wanted to pray uh, for him, but he just couldn't make the connection. He couldn't get his faith or his prayers to work. He said this way, it's like uh, plowing and hitting a stump. If you've ever plowed and, and you hit a stump or something, you know, the tractor stops or the mule stops, whatever you're plowing with, and you can't go any further. And he said the same thing happened in, in, in the spirit. You can pick these things up in the spirit that he hit a stump, couldn't get the answer for him. And the Lord said this, you know, as he prayed about this, why can't I help him? Why can't I help him? He's only 39. That's way too young to die. And the, the Holy Ghost said this, spiritual laws were enacted long ago and cannot be reversed at this time. Release his spirit, let him go home. And so Brother Hagin didn't tell initially of what the Lord spoke to him. He just said to the pastor who was there praying with him, he said, I think it's just best to tell the family, it's probably just best that we just release the Spirit, let him go home. And he shortly went home, went home to heaven. I just thought of something. I just remember something. Can I put that in pause? You want to hear something funny? Yeah. I remember going to pray for someone that was in their 80s, and they were in the hospital. And so, you know, when you're in the 80s, you're getting close to the time of going home. And when I mean going home, going to heaven. And uh, so I'm, I'm talking to this individual and the minister to him says, and uh, then as I'm talking, you know, about healing, so, uh, they said, I just want to go home. Okay, bless God, we'll agree that you go home. And I, I'm, I'm saying, we're going to release your spirit, let you go home. He said, no, I want to go home to my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
That's where you call so spiritually minded, no earthly good. <laughs> but uh, they released him. Then at the reception or, I don't know, those gatherings you have after the, the funeral, um, he was talking to this man's brother who, who had died. And the, the man's brother said, you know, all his life he said he, w- he would never live to see 40. And so this began to give light to Brother Hagin why he couldn't help him. And then uh, his mom uh, reiterated it and said, yeah, I remember all, all his life. He kept saying, I, I won't live to see 40. And see, what had happened, death and life are in the power of tongue. He set a course for his life for, through years of confession, years of belief that he at 39 was going to die. Who set that in motion? The Lord? No. He did. Spiritual laws. See, words are spiritual laws. Now, thank God they can be reversed. Most situations can be reversed through the words of your mouth. But I've, I've, I saw this, and man, I, I want to I start laying up for my retirement. You know, people do that financially. I want to do that with my faith and uh, my words that when I'm in my 70s and 80s, you know, most people are going down. I want to be so full of strength and life, just like Joshua and Caleb and Moses. You know how? The words. So I'm setting us a course. And so when I get in my, my older years, you just stick around. Don't, don't go dying on me. Stick around and see, see it come to pass. That when I'm in the 70s and 80s, I'll be busy for the kingdom, full of strength and life. And why? For years, spiritual laws. I, I, and if sickness, disease tries to come, it can't touch me. I've already gone a certain direction. I've set a certain force uh, for my life. Death and life and the power of the tongue. Now, can we start my sermon? Mark 11, verse 22. Jesus answered and said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say in this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, most of us are familiar with the account here that uh, the day before Jesus had, uh, was going into town and saw a fig tree. There was no figs. It was supposed to have figs. And Jesus cursed it or Jesus spoke words to it and said, fig tree, no one is ever going to eat fruit from you. And of course, the disciples heard it said, they made a thought odd and strange, we better give this man some food, he's certainly irritable, he's gone to talking to trees. And so that happened, so evidently nothing physically manifested. And the next day, as they were passing by through the same area, uh, they remembered what Jesus said, because it was odd, Jesus talking to trees, and they see this tree that Jesus cursed was withered away. It it died. It it no longer uh, was alive. And they were simply, simply amazed. And Jesus tells us how this change occurred in the fig tree. And he says in verse 22, Jesus answered and said unto them, have faith in God. So Jesus is saying, what I did to that fig tree was through faith in God. It was an operation of faith. Now, 
Very interesting, if you were to look at this passage in the Greek, um, now I'm not a Greek scholar, but I have a lot of programs and I have a lot of confidence people that do understand Greek. But if you, you looked in this in the Greek, the word in, when it says faith in God, the word in does not appear in the Greek. And if you have a study Bible, you can see that. And it actually reads, have God faith. He's saying, you know, what was done to this fig tree was through God faith. And, uh, or other translations say, have the faith of God, which is better than in God. Or have faith like God has faith. And so here Jesus curses the tree and says, that's the God kind of faith. Now, if he would have just left it there, and then it said, no, he went on to the next town. We, we, we just sat there amazed by what Jesus could do and say, wow, Jesus, look at the power of your words. That's pretty amazing. You know, and uh, it would kind of leave us with the idea that this is something that only Jesus could do. Jesus could say things and things would change. You know, Jesus, if it just went on, it would be like Jesus saying, now, boys, don't try this at home. I learned this in divinity school. Only God the Father, me the Son, the Holy Ghost, maybe a few select angels, no more. You'd, you'd hurt yourself, boys. You don't have this kind of power. If he would just left it, that's done by the God kind of faith. But notice what Jesus says right after it, and it is so important. For verily I say unto you. So, victory, the faith of God, but now I'm talking to you. This applies to you. That whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. So he tells us that what I did with the fig tree, you have that same power. Whatever you say. And I love that word verily in the King James. You look that up in the Greek, it's a word we all know. It's the word amen. And so actually in the Greek, it, it would be amen I say unto you. Now the word amen, we're familiar with it. It's used two ways. It's used by men and it's used by God. Whenever men use it, it's at the end of a statement or proclamation. And it simply means this, we agree with this, uh, so be it, let it be done. It's an affirmation. But when God uses it, he doesn't use it at the end of a proclamation. He uses it at a beginning. So Jesus is God, so he uses amen before he says something. So when he says amen, I say unto you, when, when God uses it, 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 it's like saying this, it, it's, it, it's an oath. It's saying it's this way or no other way. It's a guarantee that he is guaranteeing this is working. This will work for you. And so what does he guarantee? He says this, that whosoever. Now that is so important. Jesus said what I did with the fig tree, that's God faith. But now I'm saying to you that whosoever. So what he's saying, what I did, you can do too. And I looked that word whosoever up in the Greek. Not only in the Greek, I, I have over 200 Bible translations that I can refer to at any time. Over 200 of them. Probably pushing 300, but over 200 conservatively. And I look this word up, whosoever, in the Greek and through all the Bible translations. 
You know what the word whosoever means? Whosoever. Anybody. Anybody and everybody. That's what it means. So Jesus swears. And I don't know, I, I, I have this sense, and we'll have to wait to go to heaven before, before we can fully know this, but when Jesus said, verily I say unto you, I believe he raised his hand as an oath. You know how we, we swear on the Bible, he raised his hand, verily I say unto you, as an oath is God, at God, whosoever. Now, what is a whosoever should do? Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, and so, we operate in the faith of God through words. How I many you know we say through words? What Jesus did to the fig tree was words. He changed the fig tree through words. It's a faith and operation of God. And he said, everybody and anybody, if you will say, what are we to say? Unto this mountain. Now, we've got to camp here for a little bit. And it's so important. What does the mountain represent here? Uh, it's not telling us to go to the physical mountains like the Adirondacks or the Rocky Mountains and start speaking to it. Here again, like heart, like tongue, it's figurative. A mountain here stand, uh, represents, stands for a test, a trial. Anything that stands in your way uh, on the road of success and victory. Anything that stands before you as a challenge. How I many you know if you're, you're, you got to get somewhere and there's this big mountain, you're going to have to either climb it, go around it, dig through it. you, you got to do something because this mountain's in the way. And so this mountain can be in your mind, it could be in your emotions, it could be in your finances, it could be in your body, it could be in your family. Anything that stands between you and victory. And Jesus tells us that we are to speak to this mountain. Speak to the problem. Speak to the circumstance. And now what are we to say? Be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea. What is Jesus saying? He says you got to tell your circumstance what to do with your words. If you're weak in your body, what are you to do? Well, the Bible says let the weak say what? I am strong. And so what are we to do? Use your words. I'm strong. I call my body strong. We're to indulge in the words of strength. Uh, this applies to your finances. Your finances are low. Um, you know, what do you do? My God shall supply all of my needs. We're to speak. Supply comes. Money comes. You know, I like this, this phrase. You can borrow it. I have no copyright on it. I say this. I'm a money magnet. You know what a magnet is? It just tracks things. And so, you know, I, I've, I've had lost people come up and give me money. Yeah. Well, that, that's normal. Why? I said, of course. I said, of course. Well, I would never say that. Well, enjoy what you're enjoying. I'm, I'm indulging in something. I'm indulging in something. And it's working. Yeah. Someone once said to me, you're living in a dream world. I said, please don't wake me up. Yeah. Jesus told the fig tree what to do. He spoke words. Here Jesus is saying, the mountain in your life, you're to speak to it. Speak words to it. Tell it what to do. 
But you know what most Christians do? Not you, you're taught so well. When there is a mountain, when there is an obstacle, they ask God to do something about it. It sounds religious, sounds pious. God never told you to talk to him about the mountain. Pray to him about the mountain. Jesus didn't say, now God, that, that fig tree really made me mad. It had no figs. It's supposed to have figs. God, do something in the situation. If you study it out, nowhere do you see Jesus or the apostles praying for people to be healed. No, they spoke words. When, even when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he said what? Lazarus, come forth. He spoke. And I can't wait to get to that. He, he, he had to explain to his followers. And he went like this, God, I know you heard me. But for these idiots around me, I'm letting them know this is through you. But I already spoke these words a while back ago. Lazarus, come forth. And we'll look at that. Yeah. The law of words. The law of saying spiritual laws. So, are you facing a mountain, a crisis, a situation? Well, yeah, I'm praying. I, I'm calling people up to get prayer. I, I have prayer lines. I'm calling the pastor. I'm doing this or that. Jesus didn't say to pray. Jesus said to say. Now, don't get me wrong. You've been saying, I'm being overindulging, overindulging. You're, you're up and bless God. You're indulging. It doesn't seem to work. Of course, get counsel. Not wrong with that.